I only know one way. That's the Padre way. I'm proud as heck to be a San Diego Padre. I played for one team. I played in one town. Smith is ready. Win waiting to pitch. There's a drive. Right center field. Base hit. And there it is. Ho-ho. Doctor. You can hang a star on that, baby. A star for the ages for Tony Gwynn. Number 3,000. Broadcasting from America's finest digital studios, this is the 5.5 Podcast. Today the guys will talk about Manny Machado, they will talk about the pitching staff, and they will take your Bush League questions in the Padres Twitter segment. Here are your hosts, Danny Ortiz and Eric LeBoon. And welcome back everybody to this week's episode of the 5.5 Podcast. I am your host Danny Ortiz alongside Eric Labou, And uh, we are back to report on our winning San Diego Padres. Welcome back Eric. It's been a hell of a two weeks so far. World Series or bust. Indeed sir, indeed. The Rockies seem to suck for some reason. Uh, the Diamondbacks suck and the Giants are awful and we're probably going to sweep them this week. So, uh, it has been a good run so far and we have good news today. Well, last time, last time that we said that the Diamondbacks were terrible, yeah, they kicked yeah. the shit out of us yeah, for two out of those three games. That's true. But I think if you really project, everybody says that, oh, you know, the Potters go 500, that's good. Well, they've been playing like a 500 team. They beat the teams that they have to beat, which are the Giants. They're competitive, but, you know, up and down against the teams that project to be as good as them, the Diamondbacks. But they beat the Cardinals, and the yep. Cardinals, to me, I thought were pretty good. Um, but they beat the Cardinals two out of three, which is great, and now they get to go play the Giants and hopefully take another two out of three. As long as they keep winning these series, and they're going to drop one every now and then, but they consistently, obviously, you know, win these series against the teams they need to, like the Giants. They're going to stay in it. We've already talked about the schedule is incredibly beneficial to the Padres. Yeah, big Cause, time. Because after this, I think they play Arizona again. Yep. I'm pretty sure. Uh, and then I think after that, they're going to play uh, Colorado, I think, one time uh, this month. So they have a good chance to kind of break away. Um, I was reading an article uh, on uh, the Reds today and how they're like, what are they, like three and five or something? They're like one and eight. I don't know. They're terrible right now. And you can point to small sample size for like players struggling, but when you're a team like the Padres or the Reds where you actively tried to get better this year and tried to make a push, like you only have so much time where you can fall behind to where you're just like that small sample size doesn't really apply to your to your team record, right? Like the Reds are falling behind in a really tough division. So the Padres are doing a good job in a division where you know you're not gonna compete with the Dodgers. I mean, it's unlikely. So you have to beat the Diamondbacks, you have to beat the Giants, you have to beat the Rockies and try to keep yourself separated from them to keep your playoff hopes alive as the season goes on. The Potters are doing a great job of that, and I'm sorry for any Reds fans out there because they're not. <laughs> I love how we're talking about playoffs 10 games into the season. Like, hey, it's man, so dumb. It's not, I mean, every win counts, right? Like, if they yeah. finish, every win counts. Every, like, the whole, oh, it's just April. Nope, nope. For players, yeah. For players, you can say, oh, you know, you know, if he sucks this month, but he plays his normal level, you know, the rest of the way through, he'll be fine. For a team that if you fall behind, like if the Padres played 25 games and they went like fucking 12 and uh, 13 or something, you're like, oh, it's not bad. If they've only won seven or eight games the first month, it's like, well, we're not making it. Because <laughs> it's just, it's too hard to come back from. It's too much to surmount for a, for a team regard. Like, you'd have to go on a, a tear. Like, we saw what happened when they lost like 10 games in a row. Like, they never bounced back. They are basically hanging on for dear life after that. Yeah. So... If you win, you know, you, you keep winning consistently, win now, maybe you go on a streak or maybe you drop a couple, but because you were able to create that separation and, and pile up those series wins, like you keep yourself in it because they're going to hit a slump. Every team does. Right. But at least they're not like, oh, well, we're projecting to go, you know, 
Six and uh, six and nineteen this month. I guess it's over. Might as well start trading everybody. Hey, six a, one nine, baby. <laughs> it's a nice change of pace. Well, um, you know what? Dallas uh, from the Kept Faith told everyone on Twitter that if you live and die on every game, then you're a fucking idiot. So I'm trying to keep uh, my expectations long term and not make short term uh, judgments like that. Because I'm trying to learn from Dallas, the best in the business. I uh, I do not mind living and dying on each game. I know in the long run, you know, you, there's plenty of left, but. <laughs> You know, I like to I like to live and die. I like to have that emotional investment. So I was sitting there after the first two series, and I was like, okay, okay. Or after the Giants series, excuse me. After the Giants series, I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow, like this is impressive. Let's see how they do against the Diamondbacks. At the time, I thought the Diamondbacks were trash, and I still do. <laughs> um, and then they come in, and they, they beat the hell out of us the first two games. So I'll be honest with you, I was sitting there, I was like, oh, man, did I overrate this team after the first series? <laughs> and then, the, you know, we won that third game, and then, and then they go into St. Louis, Louis, and they take two out of three. Pretty handily against them. They had that big comeback win. Um, and it, dude, it showed me a lot. Now I'm back on board. I'm like, yeah, yeah here we go, baby. You got bragging rights with your family out there in Missouri. Yeah. Yeah, Amen. you do. Yeah, yes, uh, you do. My, my uncle, he uh, he wrote me a Facebook message and he was about Machado. He's like, oh, Machado just had to do it to us, didn't he? Talking about the, the big homer. I was like, absolutely, he did. I told you it was coming. <laughs> I told him, I was like, hey, like uh, you're going to enjoy watching Machado and also Tatis Jr. And sure enough, you know, both of them showed out that series. So. Oh, man, Tatis, an absolute yeah. rock. Oh, good grief. Yeah, fun um, to watch. Yeah, absolutely murdered. Now, here's a, and I said this about the 2015 team early, but I think this is going to hold more true for this team just because, like, we don't have the same – like, Matt Kemp just hacks at everything, right? Like, we know that. Like, Will Myers isn't an on-base machine either. And Justin Upton was really the only competent, like, consistent hitter we had in that lineup. I feel like this team, they're constantly in it because you don't really, like, lose anything offensively. Until, and even it's not a knock on hedges, but until you really you get to like the seven or eight hitters, right? Like Margot even played you know pretty well in uh, St. Louis from what I recall. But like once you get to seven, eight, nine, like it's okay. You know maybe maybe we don't have it, but Hedges has enough punch. He showed it in St. Louis. He's got enough punch. You leave it out over the plate. He's gonna hammer you. Yeah. Margot had a double, had a hustle double. Like we have guys where it's like even when we get down seven or eight, and you got guys like Renfro or Reyes on the bench. It's like dude, we're in it constantly yeah like i love the fact that we have like will myers batting fifth i <laughs> love that will myers hits and then tatis who might end up being you know one of the top three players on the team is hitting sixth yeah so it's like we have such a deep lineup that it feels like even when we're not in it like the diamondbacks game where we almost got blown out and they almost came back like that's a perfect example of like the lineup is deep enough and because it shifts everybody down and then moves guys who are relying on every day like renfro more to like a role-playing uh, spot, which I think he's best suited for at this point. Um, it makes everything so much better because now it's like, okay, well, now we have a guy off the, who can come off the bench and hit a big home run or hit a big extra base hit, right? Like now we have, you know, we have Mejia who can come off the bench and get a big base hit. Like we have so much more depth because now we can move guys uh, out of these positions where we're relying on them. We're kind of swap guys around and then plug them in as we go. So it's... It, it makes it so much more fun. What else makes it more fun is that somebody else is moving into the bench as a depth piece. That's Ian Kinsler. Welcome to the Pine, <laughs> Pete. Because Luis, pine. Luis Urias is back, baby, finally. Amen. Amen. All and you of, know what, uh, two man? Weeks. This just this just goes to show even more that they're in win now mode. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, how many games did Urias play in, in four, I believe. Was it four? He yeah. barely played at all. So if they send him down to AAA to work on things, and now they're suddenly bringing him back up because I don't know if it's magically fixed or if it's because Kinsler is off to an ice cold start. 
Urias is back, man, and this is what we wanted to see all along. And really, to my point, I need to own something, my own stupidity here, is our first episode. I was like, hey, you know what? You got to play the hot hand, man. Kinsler was hot in spring training. <laughs> Urias didn't have it. So you know what? He's the guy right now. Um, but, I mean, that yeah. proved to be false, which shows you you can't count on spring training numbers. I've been for saying sure. it for a while. Yeah. Um, so spring- I'm really happy to have him back. We finally have our, we finally have our infield set. And I hope you and I were talking about this a little bit and how I feel to Andy Green's credit, he plays the best guys that he has. Now, I think with Urias coming up, he's there to play because if he was here to work on or if he was here to work on things and learn from Kinsler, from learn from watching, learn the speed of the game, this one, this one have been happening right now. They would have kept him in AAA to work through whatever he needed to work through. They're bringing him up, him up right now because they're like, hey, man, Kinsler, he sucks right now. He he might not be the guy. Maybe he's as old as he looks. I mean, maybe he sucks. So they need to bring someone in as a new as a new jolt in the in the lineup, even if it's this soon yeah no i agree with you 100 now in all fairness they didn't send urias down at least from what they said it wasn't so much that he struggled it's like oh we don't we think you need to make some tweaks they said it was more like a rhythm and timing and a field thing which again i mean he had the hamstring issue so i don't think he played in winter ball which was no. surprising um he obviously didn't play once he pulled it was a pretty severe hamstring pull or t's grade level apparently <laughs> just his hamstring blew up on him apparently yeah so he hasn't really played so when he comes to spring training he's like pretty rusty so i think the idea was Keep him down, let him stay in extended and get, you know, those live games in the back and, and kind of find the rhythm. And when we feel like he's comfortable, if Kinsler sucks, then, well, we just option him back up. And lo and behold, and I love that he's in the lineup today because I thought, oh, they're going to bench him. He's going to, we're not going to see him until he comes off the bench. Nope. Right in the lineup. Yeah. First. Thank you. Man, that's crazy. And I don't, I don't really expect much from him today because he had to, at the last minute, get on a plane because from yeah. what we've heard is he didn't know until the very yeah. last minute. So it's like, hey, yeah. hop on a plane, show up, and we'll have your jersey ready. Yeah. You know, so well, I mean, we'll see. He's up. I'm sure uh, he'll show up defensively, and I think that's just fine. Like, Kinsler, I kind of feel bad for Kinsler because it's almost like he's kind of having like that dead cat bounce where it's like, hey, I'm back. And then, <laughs> you know, then the spring training ended and, you know, the pitchers came out and started pitching for real instead of just working on stuff. And He's just looked bad. Like, he has, like, a noodle arm. Like, his arm doesn't look strong at all. There's a couple of double plays, particularly the first week, that he did not complete because he made bad throws. Hosmer didn't scoop him for whatever reason. I thought that's what he was good at. But nonetheless, (laughs) you know, it's not... His His, prestige value was in the way of his glove. He hit a prestigious RBI single yesterday. I was pumped. I was like, yes! But, um, yeah, I mean, it's not his fault he throws in the dirt. He should scoop it. But still, like, make a good throw one time. You know, I saw a lot of people uh, mentioning, like, oh, man, this, this just... It makes it so clear that signing Kinsler makes no sense. It makes no yeah. sense at all. But the way I'm, the way I choose to look at it is, they signed Kinsler early in the game. They signed Kinsler when they thought they had no shot at Machado. That's true. And then it turns out they have a shot in Machado, and of course you bring him in, and then you figure it out later. Yeah. I, so I feel like if they would have signed Machado early on, Kinsler wouldn't even sniff San Diego at I, all. They wouldn't I, uh, have brought him in. There's no reason. Agree. I I think you're right. I think the idea was sign Kinsler. Put Arias at short, or for somehow making a push, just bring Tatis up to play third yeah. and hope to God. Yeah. Or if he's not, then the idea was Arias opens up at short, he moves to second when Tatis is ready, and then Ty France or Esteban Curos or God knows who plays third base yeah. uh, via Nueva until he decided to leave. So I, I think you're right. And then once they got Machado, it's like, well, you know, it's already a sunk cost. We might as well run with it and see if there's anything there. There's not anything there. Like I know his his batting average on balls is play on balls in play is low. But it's not particularly high anyways. I don't think I think two years ago is when he batted three hundred on balls in play. So you have two years plus this year where he's just 
he's. I don't think it's unlucky at this point. I don't think he's going to bat 165, but I think him putting the ball in play doesn't really do much. Even early in the spring, like he would like barrel, quote unquote, barrel. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm using air quotes here. He would barrel, and it looked like oh. And then you'd look, and this is Arizona. Like you yeah. don't have to do a whole lot to hit it out of there. Yeah. And like it looked like he barreled it up, and this is like a routine fly ball. Like yeah. I feel like maybe he's just lost his punch. He's at that point in his career where maybe he just has to cheat on fastballs, or he's, the bat speed's just not there, and he's. He's a guy that really he's kind of like Orlando Hudson, where once once the skills go, he doesn't have enough in the tank to kind of play everywhere else, right? Like he can't become a backup infielder because he only plays one position. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like like Jason Bartlett. I'm sure could have hung uh, hung around as an infielder. He played short. It's like yeah, okay, you can move to second or third or or first. You know, we've seen guys do that, but um, for Kinsler, it's like that's really all he had. It's like it's, I feel like he's just regular or bust. Like he's either everyday regular or he doesn't bring anything but now he's a sunk fucking cost because you know there's nowhere else to put him yeah i think it's a couple things i think it's mainly the fact that they had no clue they were going to bring in no uh machado not at all and they didn't think that there's gonna be any holes filled on the left side of the infield yeah. other than you know having urias start the season so i thought that they were expecting urias to start the season at short kinsler at second you know figure out third base whatever um but then it turns out where you end up signing machado and then tatis has a great spring to where uh, he forced their hand to open the season with the big league camp. So, I mean, there's a couple things that go into it. And now, hey, we're stuck with Ian Kinsler. So, I mean, I guess the moral of the story is, kids, uh, save your receipts. Because <laughs> if uh, A.J. Preller would have saved his receipts, maybe he could have got a refund from Ian Kinsler. I know I know, he could have taken it to my beloved Costco and they would have taken him back even after three months without a receipt. But Agreed. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. Yeah, and Tatis is holding his own. Like, I mean, if you look up his numbers, he's, he's, put it, he's only hitting 222. But, I mean... He's 20 years old. He also hasn't played like, you know, I mean, he played double A and then he played in the, the Dominican Winter League. Like, Dominican Winter League's probably like single A and double A mix. So, really, he hasn't played at any sort of competitive level above double A ever. And he's still putting up a 300 on base and slugging 444. Yeah. Like, this is, this is Tatis trying to adjust to major league pitching yeah. just imagine and he's had some impressive at bats like that's what i was gonna say he's laid off some pitches he's gotten hosed on a couple of strikeouts and he's chased a couple pitches but yep. for a guy that's a, uh, has allegedly i'm not allegedly i mean he's factually started slow each of the last two years like if this is a slow start right now like oh god at you, the highest level <laughs> yeah at the highest level yeah. i can't imagine where he's gonna be in like six weeks where he's like okay i got it you know I've, I've got it figured out now i know what i'm doing and yeah let's have at it that's that's where it's beneficial to not scout the stat line that's your line don't scout yeah, the stat don't line. Scout it. it could because like if you watch these games every day like all of us do you see that bats that tatis has and he man like he's really learning quickly from what i'm picking up by watching him and again this is early on yeah he's really learning quickly to lay off that low and away junk yeah you know the slider I mean? that killed every padre yeah. prospect we ever had yeah <laughs> exactly it exactly. killed jed jerko it killed what well, killed matt Kemp. he wasn't a prospect but it killed jerko it killed renfro it kills renfro it it kills hedges. Like I yeah. feel like, why does anybody throw hedges anything straight? I would exactly. just throw him sliders. Exactly. Killed Khalil Green. There's another one that it just, you know, burned. So it's it's nice. I, I feel like Arias is the same way. Like, like even though he struggled, like I feel like he had competitive at bats last year. Is just you know he's, he's he's adjusting to major league pitching. But that's baseball. But yeah, Tatis he's worked some great he's worked some great abs, man. And, and he's he's really already starting to lay off that pitch, which is a great sign. Indeed, it is. Now the other great sign. 
is pretty much everything we've heard about Manny Machado since he's been here. So let's talk about uh, Pop-Up Gate. Not if you ask Arizona. Yeah, well, Steve Berthume and Bob yeah. Brenly. Yeah, well, those two bastards can suck my cock <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. So let's talk about <laughs> Pop-Up Gate 2.0. Last year, Pop-Up Gate starred Eric Cosmer. This year, it stars Manny Machado in the much-anticipated sequel. Machado pops a ball up. He sees that it's going straight up. He ominously lays his bat down and starts walking towards first base up the line in the batter's uh, in the batter's lane. The catcher supposedly bumps into him, which according to the, the front angle, the center field cam looked like it. But when you actually switch and go to the dugout cam, he did not bump into him or if touch him. If anything, like yeah. their their feet, slight graze, their feet ran hit each yeah. other. And uh, in 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 many instances, people don't care for Andy Green. I hundred percent believe he's right. Like you would have to really be paying attention to see the feet graze. And then, of course, the uh, catcher, something John Murphy, bald Frank, I don't know what his name is, he clanks it. Insert generic white name here. Insert (laughs) insert create a prospect on MLB The Show. He clanks it so it drops, and then all of a sudden Machado's out for interference. He didn't even know he was out for interference. Yeah. So... What, and then the call is what it is. Like, there's nothing you can do to change it. I don't agree with it. I thought that was a BS call, but it's done and done, right? So then there goes the, oh, Machado is Bush League. He laid the bat down there on purpose. When you actually watch, if you look at the center field cam, it looks like they might bump into each other, and he laid the bat really close. When you go to the other angle that's coming from the stands, the bat's nowhere near his feet, right. and they don't touch at all. He just clanked the fucking drop, pop-up. That's exactly. all he did. He just dropped the pop-up. No one is talking about this if he makes the catch. <laughs> no, Literally no all. one. Not at all. At all. It's just like, you see, and it's funny how we're just like dissecting from every angle yeah. but about it. But in the grand scheme of things, like it was a pop-up. Yeah, maybe there's some incidental contact between him and Murphy. Um, and then he drops the bat to the side. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, I can't understand. Like, I'm, I'm going to go off on a limb here and say that they're Bush League comments or directed towards where he decided to drop the bat so like what's he supposed to do take his bat and just throw it you know what i mean just throw it in the center field so yeah. it's nowhere nowhere near uh murphy i just i thought that that was bullshit i thought it was bullshit and then just it's it's based off of things that happen with him in the past and incidents that have happened with machado in the past that and he's are done still some douchebaggy things and he's owned it yeah and he's owned it but in this case man i, I just thought that was really unfair to go after him for that I agree, and I think it's uh, I think it's a little bit of dog whistling, of course. Of course, of course, it is. Um, fortunately, that's that's the the uh, world we live in. Yeah, and also, like you said, it's 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 the it's the reputation that, or it's not even a reputation. It's like there have been times like when he threw the bat. I'm not defending Machado here because I think it's wrong to do it. But he threw the bat down there for a reason because they threw at his knees, right? <laughs> which he had surgically repaired. Yeah. So even though I don't agree he should have thrown the bat, I can understand why he threw the bat, Yeah. even though I don't agree with it. Like, you know, there are other things where he felt like Donaldson tagged him too hard because he surgically repaired knees, a little over-aggressive, I'm already out, and I gave up. Like, there's reasons, like, I could see why he would do it even though I wouldn't agree with it. But it's it's that stuff. And then, of course, the playoff stuff. Like, I don't know if he meant to clip uh, or step on Steve Pierce. Like, I don't know. That one's kind of hard because it's just striding, like... You know, they make it, oh, he went out of his way. I'm like, I didn't see his leg go away from his body. I just see him step. Maybe he took inside bag too much and whatever, but the Jesus Aguilar thing was obvious. But it's like, I think people take that and they just create this narrative of, oh, he's a bad guy. He's a bad guy. He's cocky. He doesn't hustle. He doesn't do this. He doesn't do that. Um, I'm su- I'm not surprised. I'm actually surprised I didn't hear too much about uh, 
him uh, almost getting thrown out on that ball he rocketed to center field yeah. where he almost, I'm like, dude, Bader was right there. He made a perfect throw. But Chato thought it was gone, and then he hustled to get the double. Don't tell me he doesn't hustle. Yeah. Yeah. So all those all those incidents that you mentioned, and again, I'll own it. I love owning when I'm wrong because it happens yeah. a lot. Um, all of the stuff you just mentioned, dude, it got me to a point where I'm like, man, like that's kind of why I wanted Harper more than Machado at one point because I'm just like, you know what? I haven't said I'm like, man, he's, he's kind of like a punk bitch, dude. And that's when you don't realize. That's before you realize yeah. everything that he brings to the table. You know what I mean? And you realize that maybe he's just kind of misunderstood. I you think he's I mean? misunderstood. He is not the same. I'm trying to think of like a charismatic player, but he's not that. Like he's not Tony Gwynn. Right, who's just like this magnetic personality. Machado seems to be sometimes a little like maybe he's a little timid or he's a little shy. Yeah. I don't want to say insecure, but I think a little timid, a little shy, like he's not the spotlight guy. Like Adam Jones is a prime example of the opposite. Like Adam Jones is Mr. Personality. Let me get in front of a mic. I can do the interview. I can do this. Like I can be, you know, the the face of the of the team and, and be that guy. And Machado's just not, at least not in that sense. Like maybe he is behind the scenes. I think we know he is behind the scenes. Because we're going to transition into that here in a second. But I do think there's some some misunderstanding there. And I think he takes it personal when people try to villainize him. I do too. And there's no there's no person that is more qualified to talk to the, about the character of uh, Manny Machado when it comes to him on a day-in and day-out basis than someone that watched him nearly every day for years. Pretty much his whole and career. That's, and that's resident... Padres, a resident Orioles fan on Padres Twitter, Andy Keats. Oh man, he's in the torture chamber. Is Andy so, Keats alive yet? Here's here's what happened. I was uh, we were hanging out at Bay City after a Seals game, which by the way, you all better be diving in by at this point. <laughs> we were talking at uh, Bay City, Andy and I, and, and I was sitting there. I was like, "Hey man, like, what's what's the deal with Machado? Like, we hear all this stuff um, about him being a jackass, blah blah blah. Like, you watched him, you watched him for years. Like, what what's your opinion? And here's here's what he told me, dude. He's like. I read everything I can on the Orioles. He does everything that he can to keep up with the Orioles. He's like, not once did I ever hear anyone question his character in regards to Orioles, um, Orioles media, um, Orioles Twitter, whatever. Not once has anyone ever questioned his character. And that kind of made me think. I was like, man, I had this I had this idea about him and what he was like and everything just already made up in my mind. Yeah. And then also to another point, someone else who I saw on Twitter is like, oh man, it was almost like we should have taken the words of his teammates who literally <laughs> cried when he was traded over yeah. what some national media guys Jonathan had to say. Jonathan Scope called him and cried. Like when he yeah. called him, he cried when he found out he was traded. He said, yeah. I think Scope was like at some lake house or something, he yeah. said. And, or at the beach or something. He said, he, call, he called me and I said, congratulations, but I cried. And, yeah. you know, and of course they met them. They met in the playoffs and they're big buddies. Adam Jones is a prime example, right? Like Adam Jones, I think, is one of the most respected players in the game. From a standpoint of like, you know, as, as far as, you know, his stature in the game is like as a person, I feel like he's one of the more respected ambassadors of the game. This guy vouches for Manny more than anybody. He'll flat out come out and say, this guy's an excellent teammate. He's one of the best teammates I've ever had. Like, and then you see what he's done. Like, he took the whole team out to dinner on his on his dime. Yeah. He's got the baseball thing going mm-hmm. that I think he does annually. He's bringing that here. Um, you know, he's mentoring Tatis. He's mentoring Urias. Like, He's doing everything and being the leader that, oh, he's not a leader. He's not a leader. All that is such bullshit based on national writers who don't cover the guy from a daily basis and basically see something that they can say, oh, there it is. It's a bad guy. I'm going to jump all over it, and that's the narrative we're going to push. Manny Machado, villain. Yeah. Because that's what sells papers. That's what gets headlines read. 
That's what gets retweets and reads and you know hits on Twitter and social media. Manny Machado villain. Manny Machado misunderstood good guy who's really kind of maybe uh, you know a sweetheart and is probably nicer than you want to give credit for. That'll get played in San Diego, yeah, but it won't play anywhere actually. else. No, no, yeah. nobody in New York is going to care that uh, Manny Machado is taking his you know teammates out to dinner yeah. on his dime. So basically, yeah, what Andy said was he never heard a peep about it, and I'm, I'm going to take Andy's word for it because I'm a big Andy Keats fan here. As am I. Um, Poor guy. My he said he said nothing that he ever heard and then also so I asked him I said so what is it if it's anything that we're going to be frustrated with Manny what, what do you think it's going to be and he said this and I'll let you guys in and I don't think he would care if I said it base running he's like every once in a while every once in a while he'll kind of run into an out and you're like god man what what are you doing yeah I, I've <laughs> and already like, seen it <laughs> if that's the worst that we have with Machado I'll take it we've already seen it he jogs I mean there have been times where he's hustled it out and I'm uh, I'm not talking about hustle I'm talking oh, about you know making a just, third out a third just bone in oh like, Manny Margoing yeah Manny Margoing Hunter Renfroing toot blanding I think is what they call it yeah. yeah so if that's the worst that we have to worry about with Manny Machado man I I, I think we're in for a treat so um, but to your point about everything that he He's done. You have uh, starting off in spring training, man. He comes in. He has those shirts for everyone. The in Preller we trust. <laughs> we find out that that's his idea, and he has shirts. Oh, for really? Everyone. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's what I think. Uh, Caswell said that. Did he just sit there and say, "Oh, hot, uh, hot talent, lava Hosmer, hold my beer"? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I he he had all those shirts. He bought all those shirts for those guys. Whatever. Um, you see him, he's he's bringing Tatis under his wing. That's very clear. You see him uh, going into, you, you rarely ever see teams. And Hosmer said that, he's like, dude, that's, that's like the third time in my career that we've had something like that happen, where their whole team goes out to dinner and, you know, one guy picks it up. And Manny picks it up for everyone, dude. Like, yeah, sure, he has the money. Sure, he makes the money. But he but doesn't have to principle. do it. It's principle. Yeah. You know, he does. He absolutely does not have to do that. But what he's doing is he's he's getting the camaraderie with these guys. It's all a family. And he's mentioned multiple times, like, we're family. We're, we need to pick each other up. I can't do this on my own, and I'm not going to try to do it on my own. We need to pick each other up. We need all 40 guys on the 40-man roster to help us get to the final goal. Of God, I love series. Manny Machado. <laughs> it's like like he has he has talked the talk, and now he's walking the walk. Like, you see all of them, and they're all suited up. Like, all the swag, dude. Yeah. They're all suited up going to. Oh, they to, came out? Oh, my God. Yeah, going like to St. Louis. Film. And I'm sure he had something to do with that because he was, dude, he was... He was Fran he, Mill was styling yeah. and profiling. Yeah, so Woo. it's like you have all that. And then he, he makes like... You could tell he's going out of his way to, mer- to make a personal connection with every player. Like He has a personalized handshake with every player on the team. You know what I mean? Like after he goes yard, he has whatever he does with, with all the guys... Um, it's 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 really fun to watch. And All for the him handshakes to, is one of my favorite things. For him to embrace that role this early, I think we're I think we're really lucky to have him. I think he's worth every single penny that we are fucking. Paying I would be him. willing to pay him forty million a year. I would. I would. hundred <laughs> percent. I think he has that much value. I, I I couldn't be happier. And then you know, talking about the production on the field, the first series against the Giants, we could tell he was pressing to the point oh, where yeah. we said it. We're like, man, he's pressing. That's- he's really extending the zone. And ever since then, when he went into St. Louis, man, he's Arizona. He's, Arizona a little bit too. Arizona's Arizona where he kind of started to lay yeah. off. He start, we can tell. But this, St. Louis in yeah. particular. Oh yeah, that's he's locked in now. Those sliders blown away that we we're talking about, he spits on them yeah. every single time. And he has no problem passing the baton to the next guy. Yeah. So He is absolutely locked in. He started getting it in Arizona because we, when we were opening day, the first hack he took, we're like, oh man, he's trying to earn the contract. But he's starting to kind of zone. He's he's locked in now. He's, he's, he's had good play discipline even when he was... Uh, Struggling, but now he's really locked in. He's just hunting now. Yeah. Now he's like, well, you know, if you're not giving it to me, I'll just walk and then Reyes or Renfro or Myers or, 
you know, Mejia or Tatis or Hedges can drive me in. But if you're going to lay one out over the plate, I'm going to go ahead and shit on it. Exactly. And and I think this is from a Kevin AC article because I've, I've oh, been forced to read AC. I want to say it's from an AC article, um, a quote from Machado where um, he said, or supposedly Machado is stressing to the team the importance of patience and the importance of being willing to pass that baton to your uh, teammate um, in an effort for collective destruction. How somebody somebody give me AC's number. I need his advice if this lasts longer than four hours. <laughs> that is what collective I have, destruction. Oh my god, I love that. I have been preaching to you for adult league for years. Like, there's nothing wrong with taking a walk. Like, let the next guy come up. They want to walk you. Great. That's yeah. just giving you another opportunity to we'll take run. it. We'll take oh it. Oh my god, I am so hard for Manny Machado I know, right dude. now. I know. Jeez. And this is the guy mentoring our superstar. Yeah. Yeah, it's oh, it's incredible. So I want to talk a little bit, and this is completely off topic. We haven't talked about this at all, but like, if you had to if you had to buy a jersey of one player on the team, I feel like we're finally at a point in time where we can confidently buy a jersey. Whose jersey are you buying? Oh, it's so hard because I want to buy four of them. <laughs> I know, I know. So if you had to pick one, all right. So we'll say the four. Okay, here's the four I want to buy. Okay, Paddock. But I said just one. I know, but I'm gonna put the four out there: Paddock, Urias, Tatis, Machado, Tatis Jr. Really? Tatis. This hurts me as a fellow Mexican to say no to Arias because I love, <laughs> I have a soft spot in my heart for five foot eight line drive punch and Judy Arias, second yeah. baseman, because I wanted to be a short punch and Judy middle infielder. <laughs> so I have a soft spot in my heart for him, but Tatis Jr. He's the most exciting player on the team. I love Machado. I love watching him feel, but Tatis to me is the most exciting player. So I'd go with the uh, junior FT2. You too, huh? No. Oh, your turn. No, I'm waiting for you to ask me. Oh, oh, oh. Who's, uh, Whose jersey would you buy? Austin Hedges. Oh, God. I hate you. <laughs> no, just playing. All right, guys. That's been the 5.5 <laughs> Podcast. I'm your host. Dude, I, I I think I'd have to go Machado. I think I'd have to go Machado. It's a tough, it's a tough thing. Actually, to you know what I would do? I love I love putting things up to chance. So sometimes with my wife, like if there's if there's two things, like uh, we can't decide between two restaurants. What I'll do, I'll hold my left fist behind my hand or behind my back and my right fist. I'll say, okay, if she picks the left, we're going to restaurant Those A. Those two turkeys fit if behind she, your back? If she picks the right, we're going to B. So I like leaving it up to chance. There you go. So I would probably put those four names because I think – I think those four names, well, for me personally, I love Urias, love Urias, but it would come down to Machado, Tatis, and Paddock. I think that's fair. I'd put all three of them in a hat, and I'd pick one out randomly. And I'd buy it, and I'd be confident, and I would be stoked to have that jersey. However, if you go on DH Gate, you can get three for the price of one. Yeah, I'm waiting until next year. I'm waiting until next year to get one from the actual team store. Because, again, yeah. I want to I wanna reward them for their for their good nature. Gold star for the podcast. Yeah, I do too, assuming that they don't sell the fuck out and they actually get more inventory. Jesus. Yeah. Like, pretty much every brown jersey that wasn't the $320 on-field one yeah. with the long butt flap in the back was <laughs> sold out. Yeah. And uh, I went in there the Thursday, they announced it, and they told me no. Yeah. And then they released them an hour later and sold out. Bastards. <laughs> Bastards. Anyways, uh, let's transition here. We're going to talk about future superstars. We got to drive all the way up to uh, Slime Bern- I mean San Bernardino <laughs> to go watch uh, Lake Elsinore take on the Inland Empire 66ers. Where we got to watch Mackenzie Gore star. We were just feet away from the center field camera, Eric. But uh, we'll go with you. What did you think of Mackenzie Gore and your wonderful clutch periscopes? You know what, man? Gore, Gore was everything that I expected. Um, there was we watched him in spring training. He looked yeah. pretty much on par with what he did in the spring, yeah. which was impressive. And the thing is, is like 
he he didn't have his command on point. You could tell he was leaving his curveball up. He was getting underneath his curveball, um, which I mean I won't get too technical. I won't mansplain what that means. <laughs> but he was getting underneath his curveball and he left it up, left it hanging a little bit, but um, a little spotty on the control. But overall, like his stuff is so effective that even when it's not on a hundred percent, he has so many weapons to pull from to where he's still dominant. Like. Um, if he leaves a fast, if he leaves a curveball up or whatever, you know, he's able to go back to the curveball. He has that confidence to go back to it and snap it off to where the batter's like, all right, I'm probably gonna see a fastball now. Nope. Here comes curveball. Shit. I'm fucked. You know what I mean? I was really impressed by Gore. Really, really impressed by Gore. As was I. What I liked was his poise because (laughs) the first inning, he didn't have it. You know, the fastball wasn't there. I mean, it was there, but the command wasn't there. Like he was 91, 92 curveball wasn't there. I mean, he struck some guys out. Um, but he kind of had to battle a little bit that first inning. Two, three, and four were just just dominant. I mean, he carved Torrey Hunter Jr. the fuck up. Yeah. I mean, he made, I think it was the fourth inning uh, that he struck him out to end the inning. He made him look all. He threw a breaking ball that he froze him on for yep. strike two, I believe. And then he came right back with the next pitch, but he threw it 58 feet instead of 60. <laughs> and Hunter just swung and missed. Ah, shit! <laughs> I, I think I got it on the periscope, but he was, sure. walk, he was walking off the mound, and he looked in at Hunter, and he started Smiling. smirking, dude. Yeah. Because Hunter had words for the umpire for the strike yeah. two call on the curveball. And yeah. he's just sitting there like, you didn't know it was a strike. Yeah. <laughs> dude, it was... He uh, is a red ass. But what I really liked, not just the first inning, what I was really impressed with was the fifth inning, because... We all knew, like, he's going to get pulled after five. He just, I mean, there's no reason for him to go six, seven, eight in the minor leagues, right? Especially now your first start. Exactly. So, And he's throwing a lot of, like, he's striking a lot of guys out. He's throwing a lot of pitches. So we all had a feeling, uh, Eric, myself, my cousin AJ was there, that he's coming out after five. They already had somebody up in the bullpen. And so, you know, he strikes out, I think, the first batter or second batter. Like, he's got two outs. And then he gets himself in a jam. He's got, like, runners on. He left the pitch up. That got hit hard. So now he's in a jam, and he can't push, put this guy out. He's got two strikes on him. Mm-hmm. He fouls off the breaking ball. He misses with the breaking ball. He fouls off the fastball. And you could see, like, he's overthrowing. Like, he's trying his damnedest. He wants to strike this fucker out. Yeah. And you see him kind of take a deep breath, settle in. And then as, and then he, nice, easy mechanics, nice 94-mile-an-hour fastball, blows it by him. And you see the old, like, he tried to remain calm, but you can see the fist bump, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, he tried to keep it in, but he was pumped. Yeah. But see, I like the poise because you can see that like he's running out of gas. You know, he's he's running out of gas. He knows he's at, you know, he's he's coming out. So he's just like, I'm going all out. Like I'm just gonna gunsling it and I'm gonna go all out. So if they're gonna pull me, you know, they got to drag me out of this game because I'm tired and I don't got it. Not because <laughs> not because I cruise through it. Yeah. And I like that even though he was struggling, he was still able to keep himself calm, stay within himself in a pressure moment, you know, games on the line, they didn't have a big lead. And strike the guy out. He, he kept his composure. He's poised. He punches the guy out. And then you see a little bit of emotion. Yeah. He tried to hide loved it, but it didn't work. Absolutely loved it, dude. And everything I wanted to see. He he had the slider working down and into the righties. Oh which yeah, which is great. Dirty from a left from a lefty. It's one of my favorite. A couple of really mean changeups. Yeah, and he was able to reach back and and hit ninety six when he needed it. Yeah. So I mean, this early in the season, it was cold up there too. I mean, I yeah. I'm, I'm not going to be that guy to factor all that in. But first start of the season, you know, you're on the road. What, what I will say is, um, and he's starting the home opener for the Storm on Thursday, which, by the way, I am going to. Lucky you. Ended up buying tickets. So uh, we're, we're moving the next day. We're going to be moving all day. Hey, so am I. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, waking up early in the morning to make my debut on <laughs> San Diego Sports Leader, the Mighty 10. Oh, did you get the gig? Yeah. Wow. From the 8 o'clock hour to the 9 o'clock hour. Oh, it's official. I'm so Ben is break. out. 
Ben is out. It'll be uh, myself. It'll be Rich at Drunk Flannery and at AF Mazone. Oh my God. On with Woods for an hour from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock so on train Friday. wreck hour. So make sure you guys pay. Make sure you guys check in. So that'll be fun. Oh God. So I now hope they have the dump button ready. Now that I got that, that plug out of the way, the beginning of my radio career. Um, yeah, dude, Gore, I'm absolutely going to go on Thursday. I can't miss it. And I, what I want to say, and I don't even think it's a hot take, like, I think once these little command issues get, you know, taken care of, I think he's going to move fast. I, he's not going to be in Elsinore that long. So make sure you so go either. up there and see him while you can. Because I think I, I can easily see a scenario in which maybe five starts, maybe five to eight starts in Elsinore, and he's up there in double A. He's up in Amarillo. I agree so, with you. I, he's going to be on the you same thing. Got to get up there soon. Got to get up there soon. The thing with Gore is like last year. It's like I don't think he'll be on, on as much of a limit as Paddock because he's not coming off Tommy John. He said blister issues. It's right. Like he wasn't throwing, or they're worried about his elbow or his health. So I think you're right. I think he's going to be on that same. I, I think the same thing for Patino. If they throw really, really well, Keith Law was saying like you could probably challenge Patino now and put him in Double A. They should just fast track him. He's got three plus pitches. So. Yeah. You know, with Gore, I think it's the same thing. I think Gore is better than Patino, and Morahone's already up there. So, I think you know, after about probably four to six weeks in Elsinore, you could very well see him in Double A, and then next year he's going to try to kick down the door. Yeah. So, dude, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Stuff wise, I think Mackenzie Gore is ready right now. He yeah. could come oh, up absolutely. and fill in as their five. I think so. I th- worst case, he could be like a multi inning relief. He could be what Strom was last year. Yeah. Come in, give him two or three innings, going you know balls to the wall and. Uh, you know what, man? If they're contending towards the end of the year, I wouldn't put it past them. I would bring all of them up. I would not. Put <laughs> Marahone, Patino, Baez, Lamette will be back. Yeah, I <laughs> wouldn't put it past bring them. Bring them all if up. They're really going to go all, all out, and depending on how he performs yeah. this year, I wouldn't put it past them. Bring up Gore. They, if the Dodgers brought up Arias. Yeah. I the mean, Dodgers brought up Arias. So you never know. You never know. And they have enough guys like, hey, we can just bullpen the shit out of all these games. Yeah. And hope to God, you know, when you know when Paddock, um, starts the Paddock's not going in or. You know, uh, Lucchese or Lara were like, we need guys. Um, you know, we'll just bullpen with all these young guys. Well, they got to figure out what they're going to do because just say. their starting pitching has not been on the field. They've been great, but they haven't been going out that long. They haven't been stretched that long to where the bullpen is taxed. Like I think the starting pitchers and the bullpen have thrown about the same amount of innings. I blame that on that's Andrew not Green. great. I blame I that on too. Andrew Green. Of course I do. Now I buy into the whole third time through the order stuff, right? Like I understand and I believe that. You know, once you get to the third time in the order, that that slash line against tanks. There's some starters who were able to avoid it. I think James Shields was a guy who like avoided it um, for a little while. But like Matt Harvey was a prime example in the World Series against the Royals. Like he sucked. Yeah. Third time through the order, and he got left out there, and it basically may have cost him the World Series because he got lit up. So there's certain guys I think like you have to be aware of. The problem is the Padres have too many. Paddock I think is a guy because he has such good command, he can get away with it. But I think they're trying to ease him in. So, and I understand that because he didn't throw a lot of innings last year and he threw none the year before and yeah. very little the year prior to that. So I understand that. Like Fuego, though, to me, Lucchese, Lauer, uh, Margaviches, like those are guys, and even Strom, like those are guys where I don't think they have good enough stuff to get through a lineup a third time. If they're cruising, then yeah, I think it's fine. But I think you're playing with fire third time through the order, which brings me to the next thing is like, they need to get some pitching. Like they need to get an established starting pitcher who can give them six or seven innings every time they go out. Because they just they don't have it. It's fun to watch all these young guys, but like they just like they're wearing the hell out of the bullpen. Either they need to do that, or they need to bring up a couple of guys. Like we were talking to John Conniff off there, and I'm saying like, hey, do you think Pedro Avila can give them like multiple innings out of the bullpen? Yeah, I think he might be able to do that. 
great. Why don't you bring him and Quantrill up and just let them sink or swim as like multi-inning relievers? Like, hey, we need you to give us like the sixth and seventh inning tonight. Go out there and give us sixth or seventh inning because I like Robert Stock. Somebody had a hot take on Twitter. He's just a middle reliever. I think that's fine. That's valuable. But it's like you can't keep running him out there. Like, yeah, he's, he's been used he's, a lot. He's a max effort guy. You know, like losing Castillo hurt a lot, but it's like Loops already on the DL. You know, Warren is not that impressive, but it's like they just. They are going through their bullpen like toilet paper, and it, a part of it is because they don't have a long reliever like they had with Strom last year, and none of their pitchers are going past five innings. It's 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 going to turn into a dilemma, and it's going to start get to a point where the bullpen is just going to start blowing leads, and now you're just falling behind. Well, that fully goes into the thing that you've wanted for years, and that you always say that this is how the Cardinals do it. They're prospects that are starting pitchers. If you want to break them in, this is the perfect opportunity to put them in that role. As long relief, you have them available for multiple innings, like a Quantrill or a Logan Allen, you know, or Michelle Baez when the time comes. I don't know if he's even, if he's starting with an affiliate or what. We should have some Mad Friars guys. I don't know. Morahone would be another guy. Morahone. Like, these are perfect guys in this situation. If you're not going to go out and get us a Dallas Keuchel, you know, a guy that can go, you know, six, seven, eight, nine innings. If you're not going to give us a guy like that, a horse, you need to eat those innings somehow. So yeah. if you have if you have these rookies start up and they make their debuts by coming up as long men and coming out like that, I think that's a good way to go because their bullpen, as it sets now, they don't have guys to go out there. And give for, them more than one inning. Exactly. They don't have multiple inning guys. So I feel like that would be a perfect time for that. And like you said, you mentioned the, the third time through the lineup thing. Like, I, I get it. Statistically, sure. Like, they, they probably shouldn't see the, 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 the rotation through a third time. But but I think they should push their starters to try to do it yes, first. You got to at least try. Have the bullpen ready and see how they go the third time through the order. At least try to push them one more inning. Five and a third would work. Yeah. Give Five and two thirds. You got to at least try, especially this early in the season. You, you got to push. You got to see what these guys got. You know, when they're bats against the wall, you got to see, do they grab their nutsack and get fucking through it or do they put their tail between their legs and go back to the dugout like you you gotta you gotta let them work through. i it. agree with you the only guy i can really understand it on is paddock i understand why they're just gonna go two times through or five innings with paddock just because like i i get it like there's there's a hesitancy there because he still really technically hasn't thrown a full season but like margavichus like let's be honest nobody thought he was making the the roster i, I mean, don't think what he's doing is sustainable at all I don't either. I feel like the book's going to come out on him, and he's going to get fucking crushed. I think he's Eric Lauer. He's smoking mirrors. Yeah, I, I, which I think is Eric Lauer. Yeah. Uh, now, with the same thing with Lauer is the same thing with Margavich's. If he stays on the corners and doesn't miss over the plate, he's fine. Strom is worrying me because he's not, and I don't know it's because he's trying to, you know, stay in the game longer, but he's not throwing it. Like, I felt like last year he was, like, sitting 92, 93 and could hit 94 easy. Now he's, like, 91, 92, and it's like... He's got to hump it up to get 93. Yeah. So maybe Strom is not long for the rotation, and maybe he's better off as we were using him before. Which there's nothing wrong with that. But I do agree with you. I think Mark Avishes and Lauer are both basically the same guy. At this point, the only arms that I'm that I'm really like confident. I mean. I- I feel like we have a chance every game. The way that our yeah. lineup is now, I, mean, I feel like... We're not terrible in the, in the starting rotation. Yeah, we're not terrible, but I feel like the guys that give us the best shot to kind of go deep... I, I have faith in Lucchese every time he takes the As do I. I have... But that's about the only guy. Yeah. I love Paddock. That's nothing against Paddock, but you don't know what's going to happen. No. And then his start against the Cardinals, I want to say he went three and two-thirds. He couldn't that's finish it. the fourth inning. He had a lot of, of deep counts that he worked into. A lot of people were fouling the ball off to where Mud asked, is he too much in the zone? Which yeah. I had mentioned that before. I think he, Too many strikes. He's so accurate, and he pounds the zone. He needs to expand the zone a little bit. And this I, is where I feel a slider like comes into play. It is. That's where a slider comes into play. I feel like over time, this this part of his 
his game is going to evolve and the, and he's only going to get better but right now he's hitting the zone too much which sounds funny to say about a pitcher but really for me it's it's Lucchese, and that's it. Like, I'm yeah. very excited to watch Paddock every single time, but we know he's not generally going to go over five innings. Yeah. So as far as going Even deep in the games... Even if he was doing really well. Yeah, as far as going deep in the games, it's Fuego, and that's that's it. That's it. Until Strom proves otherwise, until... I'll never be a Lauer guy. I don't care. I'll never be a Lauer guy. Maybe he goes deep two or three times, whatever. Um, but Fuego, that's it, man. So they yeah. they need reinforcements, or they need to start doing backpack and bring some guys up that can give you multiple innings. Because right now their bullpen, that's that it's it's not going to cut it. I mean, look, look at it this way: like we we have a Wicks, a lefty, right? Yes. Okay, so you have him, right? He's going to take loop spot, right? So you have him. Then you have Stock, Wigginter, uh, Stammen, and Yates as your basically. You Stammen can go too. Stammen can go too, but if you're relying on him to kind of bridge the gap or come in and close when you've used Yates too many times, or Stammen and Yates are basically their high leverage guys. Right. So you can't keep using them for multiple innings because then you're going to burn them. Yeah. So um, I think, like, okay, so you have those five guys, right? Bring up Avila and Quantrill. They're already on the 40 man. And, you know, I, I was big on Cal Quantrill for a while. I just I can't keep ignoring reports that he just doesn't. He's probably not a starter. And if he is, he's probably number five. So let's see him. See if he plays up in the bullpen. Because the start I saw in spring training was awful. Wipeout changeup, no idea where the fastball's going. Yeah. See if you bring him up, break him in, and say, hey, you know, we're going to give you, you're going to get four or five innings a week, pitching one or, you know, two or three innings a night, a couple times a week. Like, bring him up that way, and at least you can get some length so you're not blowing out your middle relievers. Because we can't go five innings and then go, okay, now we're going to go stock wing and turn loop. Uh, Stammen and Yates, and hope to God that we can finish the last four or five innings with just one inning guys. Loop is on the injured list now. So now, yeah, know. but well, now yeah, I mean, just throw Wick in there, and then <laughs> yeah. Adam Warren, who can't. I don't know if Warren can go multiple, but I, I haven't been too impressed with him either. Right. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be intrigued. And then Wednesday, they don't have a starter for Wednesday. Oh, great. So now it's it's kind of like, hmm, are they going to sign someone to bring him in, or are we bringing up a rookie? Keiko is supposedly throwing simulated games. Hey, he's man. just sitting out there, but I hear he's turning down four year offers. So I don't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, Boris. Here, well, here's one year, thirty million. Let's go. Yeah, Boris needs to check himself, dude. Yeah, because that's he's about to be fired. <laughs> that, that's that's getting out of hand for sure. So I'll be intrigued to see how they handle Wednesday. Do they bull? They and you can't bullpen that game because their bullpen is already taxed. Yeah, you need the long relievers to bullpen. Yeah, and we'll see we'll see how it goes tonight. I mean, who's who's starting tonight for him? Uh, um, Lauer. Lauer. Yeah. Is it Lauer? Yeah, it's opening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah you're right. So you have Lauer today. So you'll you'll kind of see. What Lauer has, and then after that, Fuego. Hopefully, he goes deep. But I mean, if this pen gets used, um, if if this pen gets used, man, I don't know. We'll see what happens on Wednesday. I don't think they're gonna do a bullpen game. If I had to give like a super hot take, I I think well, maybe it's not a hot take. I think Logan Allen makes his debut on Wednesday. It's either Lo- Logan Allen or Quantrill, or why not both? <laughs> well, yeah, I think Logan Allen is scheduled to start Wednesday, anyways. That makes sense. I think he's going to make his debut on Wednesday, but uh, we'll see. Is you, all, are they at home right now, Amarillo? Oh no, he's in El Paso, right? It doesn't matter where they are, dude. Yeah. They got they got Urias they, on a yeah. plane and in the game. Yeah, they could have just red eye him. That's yeah. true. That's true. Yeah, they don't care. Send him on a big wheels. Shout out to Kevin Towers. <laughs> rest in peace. Rest in peace. But speaking of rest in peace, our mentions have been uh, in the torture <laughs> chamber today. As we move on to my new favorite segment. The verbal Padres Twitter segment. Yeah, man. Dude, we asked for you guys last week, and we were kind of like, 
hmm, how's this going to work out? Is it going to be a, a bunch of crap? Is anyone even going to call? Well, I <laughs> had no doubt they were going to call. I wasn't sure. I was questioning I was questioning what kind of content they were going to provide. You know, I wasn't sure because for the first maybe hour or two hours, all that we had were two voicemails. So I was like, man, I don't know. And then the, the closer we got to recording, they started rolling in, and they were excellent. And, and we got feedback from a lot of people that really liked this segment. So to keep it going, please continue to participate. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, kind of, but this week, so I was looking through them because I like to at least read a little bit or listen to a little bit just to see like, hey, um, is the quality good enough for us to even put it on or not? Um, Chad, the the Chamner called us and he wanted to talk about Mejia and Hedges, but the the audio was so bad I couldn't understand what he was saying. I think it was a toilet flushing or it was his opinion. It was I, one of the two. I couldn't tell which one. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't tell. So, anyways, there's there's a lot of good ones. There's there's some people. There's a lot of the calls here today where people pretended like they were someone else <laughs> which was pretty entertaining but we also got some uh, got some good questions and and some good content here for you guys so we appreciate it let's go ahead and uh, let's get it started here hey it's a uh, it's it's cook um ian kinsler uh he makes me miss uh, jose perillo a lot <laughs> it's pretty sad bye <laughs> oh man Somebody needs to call the antidepressant hotline for for Cook over there. That's a that's a rough take. As Lavar Ball said, "Speak it into existence," <laughs> and that's what Cook did with his voicemail. So, asking you shall receive. Yeah. So, Ian Cook uh, or Ian Kinsler, excuse yeah. me, uh, makes him miss Jose Perella, and it's pretty sad. Well, guess what? Perella's not coming back, but Urias is. We had Thank it. God, even better than what you had hoped. So, what do we have next? What is up, five point five pods? This is Ryan Cohen. Ryan Cohen 24, his Twitter handle. Uh, Pod dropped a six and four start. Really proud of them. It's been fun to watch. I care more about the handshake that uh, <laughs> Kevin Acey had a big article on, our beloved Kevin Acey. Uh, my question for you guys you're on the team, you get a big weekend. Say you had a big weekend in your men's league out there in San Diego, and you get called up to the Padres. They're really desperate for a reliever after everyone goes three and two thirds out of the starting pitching. Uh, you get called up, and uh, Manny Machado asks you what you want to do with your handshake. Where are you going with it? Like, what handshake are you doing with Manny Machado and the rest of the pod? Have a good one, fellas. Go pod. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. I love that question. That's a great question. First of all, they'd have to be very desperate to call on Danny, uh, yeah, Danny and I. I don't think, uh, I don't know how many throws. I don't even throw from the outfield to warm up anymore. My elbow is taco meat right now. <laughs> so what's your, what's your handshake with Manny? That's a good one. God, that's so difficult to, to think about. Hmm. I don't know. I like I I I've never been good enough to hit home runs, so I don't have a handshake. Interesting. Okay, yeah. so I got one. I'm just gonna. I'm, this is just off the top of my head. Okay, yeah. off the top of my head. Uh, keep it keep it with me here. If you have kids in the car, mute this for about uh, ten seconds. Oh God. Okay. So it's uh, it's kind of like a high five, like straight out, not straight up in the air yeah. high five, but it's, side five. So right hand, left hand, right hand, go down, jerk yourself off, and then. Wipe it off. Wipe it off Ooh. your face. That's me and Manny. That's what we're going to do. I was never going to top that, so I'm glad I didn't have one. Let's get to the next voicemail, for God's sakes. Hey, you know what? Maybe that should be our thing, dude. Maybe that should be our Let's thing. Let's do it. For, uh... I'm down. We'll do it on like walks and shit, though. Yeah. Yeah, we'll do it on walks. Yeah, we'll go ahead and do it. Okay, let's uh, listen to this next one here. Hi, Dan. Hi, Eric. This is Barry McCockiner, known as at Sports Talk Barry on Twitter. Big fan of the show. Appreciate you guys. You're doing a great job. Especially the sexy female voice in the beginning. It always reminds me of my wife's new boyfriend, stepsister, and 
gets me a Kevin AC in my pants, so I love it, man. Good job. So I got an important announcement today. Uh, I will be heading the 2020 campaign of a presidential ticket, David Leland and Mickey Coke. Our slogan is, make America smart again. <laughs> what do you think, man? David Leland will be leading the ticket with his main skills, persistence, endurance, and smart Twitter. And we'll be backed up by our lovely, unbiased, La Jolla wannabe Mickey Coke, who actually said he's going to move out of his mother's basement in El Cajon once the kickoff of, the, of this presidential bid. I'm looking forward to that. Guys, please bring the word. Bring the word. I'm a big fan. Leland Coke for Make America Smart Again. Counting on you guys. Have a good one. Cheers. Well, first and foremost, I didn't know that Barry McCockner also played the bad guy in No Country for Old Men. <laughs> Leland Coke. <laughs> Leland Coke, what a ticket. Whoa, they got my vote. I don't care what party they're from. What a ticket. So you have one guy that got ratioed so hard that he deleted he his Twitter. He tapped out. Yeah, he said, enough is enough, <laughs> and he bounced. And you got another guy who searches his name, allegedly, that's what I think, and blocks anyone that says anything about him, calls you a bitch for uh, him blocking you, and then he'll sit there and incessantly search your tweets and talk about you and talk about you and talk about you, and we say, hey, man, what's going on? He's like, oh, I wasn't talking about you. So anyways, you got Leland and you got Coke. Um, two uh, interesting characters, to, to say the least. Yes. That's, a, that's an intriguing an intriguing ticket. Well, thanks to uh, Barry McCockner Segur from No Country for Old Men. Let's play the next. So crazy, dude. Like, a lot of these, I wish I knew. I, I really wish I knew who, who the hell um, said it. So, anyways, another one. I think this, I don't think this is the actual guy who he says he is, but, but let's listen to the, uh, let's listen to the message and try to find out for ourselves. Hey guys, love your podcast. This is Rand Laddie at Rand Laddie. Just wanted to ask you a really brief question. Uh, what is this W-A-R thing? I'm not sure. I just see it everywhere. W-A-R. What is that? Can you explain that to me? What is W-A-R? What is it good for? Thanks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was not Rand Platty. Rand Platty doesn't know what war is? I don't think that's Rand Platty. Do I need to tell Rand what war is? Do I need to explain it to you? DM me, Rand Platty, if you're listening to this. And I'll, I'll, give, you a, I'll give you the uh, war for dummies, the crash course. I'll tell yeah. you everything that you need to know about war. This is a very interesting one that I want to bring up next. I think you're going to get a kick out of this, so I want you to pay attention. Listen to this. Hi, this is Kevin Charity, long-time listener, first-time caller. My Twitter handle is Mattifier's Kevin. I actually have two questions today. One, with Dirty Danny Ortiz eating 12 hot dogs, how many twos did he average per hot dog? <laughs> also, in a fight, greased up and shirtless, who wins, John Connors or James Clark? I'll take my answer off the air. Thank you. How many bites did you average per hot dog, pal? You had 12 of them. I would say probably three and a half tops. Three and a half tops. Only because towards the end, I was really struggling to get down the last <laughs> two or three wieners. So yeah. uh, first, it was probably closer to three, and then more three and a half towards the, uh, the last quarter there. And those are the ones that you chewed in your mouth. So anyways, 
As far as a shirtless fight between John Conniff and James Clark, who, I'd have who to, takes uh, it? I'd have to give Conniff. I think Conniff has the height advantage over Clark. Okay. Um, I don't know who's older. I think Clark might be younger. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. But uh, I'd have to say Conniff just because he has the height advantage. You know, he can kind of slither his way out since he'd be, you know, sopping wet apparently. <laughs> You know, I'm going to have to give it to James Clark. Wow. You know, I think the young man has a lot of things going for him. I think that John Conniff has lost a lot of weight recently. What, 60 pounds? He's lost a lot. He'll tell us exactly how much he lost, but I'd have to give it to James Clark. I don't think I don't think Conniff, although he's been working out, he doesn't have as much weight behind him now, so not That's a lot of oomph. Fair point, yeah, not a lot of leverage. So maybe when John comes to town, we can get a shirtless, oiled match between the two. I mean, I will do the play-by-play. Yeah, you know, you never know. So let's go ahead and uh, let's let's see what else we got here. Let's go with this one. What up, guys? This is Carlos R., long-time listener, first-time caller. Uh, you guys got a great show, almost as good as the Mazone show, but, you know, you'll get there someday. I just wanted to see what, how you guys felt about the Mackenzie Gorse start you guys saw at Storm and uh, see how Danny was doing, if he had any intestinal or bowel problems the next day after eating 87 hot dogs. But uh, keep up the good work, guys. Peace. <laughs> Any intestinal problems for you after all those hot dogs? Well, I shit my guts out the night of as I texted <laughs> in our group thread. So, oh, uh, so not not the next day. I pretty much flushed everything out the night of. Yeah. Um, as far as Gover goes, as we said earlier, everything we wanted to see. You know, he got into some trouble that he pitched out of. He was an absolute bulldog, striking guys out, setting guys up, pitch sequencing looked good. Everything you'd expect. Highly advised to check out Mackenzie Gore Thursday if you can make the trip. Yeah. I, I, I have nothing else to say about Gore. I mean, it's already been touched on. But kind of, dude, the hot dog thing was really funny to me because it was 50-cent hot dog night. Oh. And, and we're sitting there, and I'm like, you know, I said as a joke, I'm like, hey, guys, this one's on me. Yeah. So we walk up there. Yeah. I'm thinking, Little did you know. I'm thinking, oh, I'll, get, I'll get two hot dogs, whatever. And so I'm like, all right. And I ask you and AJ. I'm like, hey, what do you guys want? And AJ's like, oh, I don't know, four. I mean, I'm not sure. And I was like, two. And I, and I was like, what do you want? You're like, six. six. And I'm like, <laughs> Six, Jesus! Christ. You thought I was playing. That was the best part. You're like, oh, really? No, I'm I'm dead serious. I want six hot dogs. Yeah, so it's like, holy cow, dude, six of them. And then and then you went back for round two. Yeah, say, hey six. guys, this one's on me. What do you want? Two, yeah. two, great. I'll take six. Yeah. Ten hot dogs, please. Yeah, we had the order was ten hot dogs and three three diet, diet Pepsis. Pepsis. Yeah, yeah. Is, it's more the sugar than diet Pepsi. I don't want to get into. But very, uh, very. What's ironic. worse is AJ left me there by myself with two diet Pepsis and ten hot dogs. So. Yeah. Tough scene. Very ironic. Tough scene. Stuff scene. (laughs) Stuff scene, man. Yeah, that's to to say the least. All right, let's see what we got next. I think we're going to go into the um, SDSU does not deserve the Qualcomm portion of the Padres Twitter. Oh, it's going to be one of two guys. Yeah, it's going to be one after the other, actually. Oh, perfect. Hey, Eric and Danny. It's Alec Weber at AlecWeber19 on Twitter. First off, just want to give Eric some props for picking a phone number that has lasted two days at 69. (laughs) <laughs> Pretty classy. You'll love to see it. And then second, I just got a quick question for you. It's been bugging me for almost this whole season now, but I just got to know what you guys think, and hopefully you guys give me some input here, but uh, why was Mike D fired? just want to know. Like, If you know anything, please let me know. All right, thanks. I'm looking forward to another great episode. Well, thank you very much, Alec. Um, Are we allowed to say why we think Mike D is fired? <laughs> Everyone knows, dude. Oh, um, as far as the phone number, thank you for noticing Alec, because I had to go through the whole thing, and I, I had a list of numbers for the Google Voice number, and I was like, you know what? I was trying to find a phone number. I wanted 619-420-6969, <laughs> but, 
but that was taken. <laughs> Son of a bitch. So I don't even know the number. I had to scroll through all of these numbers to find one that ended in 6-9. And it took me longer than... I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed to admit how long it took me. And I found it, and Alec noticed, and Alec appreciated it. So thank you very much. And also, Carlos noticed it on Twitter. So thank you yeah. to the young man at C underscore Los R. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Pimo at Uncle Pimo. Just wanted to uh, ask a couple more questions. I'm here at Killing Time, waiting for my margarita here at Chili's. Uh, <laughs> so I figured this time around I'd actually uh, offer up a couple of more thoughtful questions. Uh, first, as far as guys who were in our minor league system who had ever actually made it to the bigs, which one made you most disappointed that they didn't make it? And two, out of guys who played in, let's say, the last five, ten years or so on the big league club, which guy was hated by everybody but you secretly had a crush on or really enjoyed watching him play? Anyway, Margarita's here, so I'll go ahead and take the answer. Bye, guys. <laughs> I'll take this one go for ahead. the first two. So first one as far as big disappointment, Reimer Luriano. Yes, that's a good call. Reimer Luriano because call. we had it was either going to be him or Simone Castro, but Reimer Luriano because we didn't have a lot of prospects. Reimer Luriano looked like the real deal, power, speed, defense, just never I mean he didn't get a real shot here, but I think it's because the Preller brought him up. Preller's the one that called, gave him the call up and I think he saw him and thought, "Nah, he's not a prospect." So I'd say Reimer Luriano never panned out. Um, as far as guys, I was not secretly nothing about this one. Guys that I liked to the watch that everybody hated, I have a, t- a two-way tie. Brian Giles and Chase Headley. Oh God! <laughs> for for the same, pretty much the same reasons. Grinders who did not give away at bats, put up great on base percentages, who were completely shat on, even though they were nowhere near the problems of the team. Um, Headley didn't hit for enough power except for that one year, and I, I admit that. But um, as far as like guys who got way too much shit at the time. Because people just had a different way of looking at it. For me, it was like, I could watch Brian Giles and Chase Headley all day. They grind out that bat, they get on base, and I feel like Brian Giles is uh, a little underappreciated for how good he really was. You had seven Brian Giles, you would be winning a lot of games right now. So you like grinder? No, 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 no. Oh, grinders. Baseball players who grind out at bats. Interesting. Yes, yes. Okay, because I was kind of confused there for a second. I wasn't sure. No, 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 no. Let's go to the next one. Hey, guys, it's Devin. So given the uh, news today about Luis getting called up. Um, what's next for Ian Kinsler now that he has no position and I assume no friends on the roster? Thank you. <laughs> I love this bit so much, dude. I love the Potter's Twitter shit. Um, man, Ian Kinsler. So so what's going to happen? Is, is he just going to ride the bench now behind Luis um, Urias? I, I hope he does. I would imagine so. I mean, at this point, you have to hope that maybe you can find a taker. Um, I don't think you're going to. You'd have no. to get a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, at this point, you basically just have to tell him, like, hey, look, we'll get you some looks in at second. You know, Rios, we don't know how the hamstring is. Maybe he needs a day off. Or Tatis is going to probably need a day off at some point. So you can tell, hey, you know, when Urias or Tatis or, you know, if Manny needs to DH, like, that's when you'll be in there because we can run you at second or DH and move Urias over to short or whatever. But, I mean, really, there's not really a spot from on the team. Like, they have other guys, like – I was telling you off air with Conniff, like I'd rather have Esteban Quiroz get a look as like a backup infielder. Um, Kevin Charity, I'm going to throw him under the bus just in case people hate the idea. He's, he'd rather see Greg Garcia out there. Than Kinsler? Yeah. I so, mean, I mean, there's there's other options. Like I'd rather have Ty France up, honestly, yeah. over Kinsler. I'm wondering how long riding the bench before Kinsler loses his shit. Before, yeah. before he starts to, you know, make little comments, dude. I think if we win, he'll be okay with it. Because mm. he rode the bench basically in Boston, I feel like. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I think if we're winning and he's getting, you know, decent playing time, I think uh, I think they'll be okay with it. 
or he'll be he'll be able to live with it. But yeah, I can see him uh, growing very uh, very very uh, upset. Yeah. With the idea that he's getting benched. Yeah, we'll see. This is a very short one, but fun nonetheless. What's up, fuckers? <laughs> hey, pal. <laughs> uh, I don't know who that was. But I don't know who it is either. Dude, I, I love, like, I don't know your guys' voice. Not all of you. So I, I try to figure out who it is that are leaving these messages. Um, and some of them, dude, that I just think are hilarious. I want to know who left it. Like, I really want to know. Put your Twitter handle on there, you cowards. I really want to know who it was that left that Addiction Network hotline <laughs> recording. It was Barry McCockner. Because that was one of the funniest things I heard all week, dude. That it was, was brilliant. It was amazing. Here's here's a good one. Hey, this is Sam Nair at Sam Nair 24 I'm going to give you two sets of names, and I want you to, I want you to give me Fuck, Mary Kill. And also starts at DFA. The first set of names is Machado, Tatis, and Mejia. And second one is Gore, Patino, and Paddock. So that's interesting. So, write so, that down. so let's let's go off the first. Well, we'll answer the first part. So a fuck, Mary, kill, FMK. So you got Machado, Tatis, and Mejia. You want to go first? Yep. Go I'd ahead. Fuck Machado, Mary, Tatis, and kill Mejia. That was easy. Really? Why would you do that? What do you mean, why would I do that? Explain. Tatis is a long-term answer, baby. Okay. Huh. And Machado's the sexy guy right now. He's the right now, and uh, Tatis is the uh, the later on in forever. How soon you forget that photo shoot from Tatis Jr.? What are you talking in about? In the off-season. That's why I'm going to marry him. What are you talking about? Well, that's why I'm fucking him. I'm <laughs> marrying Manny Machado, because he's here no matter what. Well, unless he opts out. He's here for 10 years, okay? Mejia... I'm killing Mejia. Let's get into this yeah. a little bit. I wanted to go on to the next question, and we're running a little bit long, so I apologize, but I don't care. Let's talk a little bit about Mejia and about Hedges, because oh. I know we had it on there, and then we scratched it. So kind of quickly, if, if we can, um, you know, I, I got to own it, okay? I love bits. I love bits. So I will never stop coming after Hedges, but... At the very beginning of the season, what did I say? Hey, you know what? I would rather see Urias, but if Kinsler gives us a better shot to win right now, you got to play Kinsler. So I can't go and say that and then look at Mejia and watch Mejia behind the plate and think that he deserves to be behind the plate every day and act like and be like blissfully unaware of the fact that he's costing us runs. Like, I don't care. Once. I, I don't care about the strikes. I don't care that he... I don't care that he um, doesn't get the called strikes because the umpire sucks. I don't care about that. But when he's openly, when he's boxing pitches back there, you just see him. There's such a big drop off from Hedges to Mejia. And this is hard for me to say because I feel like long term, Mejia is absolutely our answer. I feel like we put a bat in Hedges' hands. He is fucking worthless. I don't care what he does in St. Louis. He is worthless. But right now, the way I'm leaning towards, I think two catchers can coexist on this roster, and I think that they can. I think Andy's been doing a decent enough job, but I want to see Austin Allen being called up. I want to see Mejia go down to AAA. I want to see him get work uh, work and reps every single day. And I feel like he's not going to get better if he's sitting on the bench. He's sure he's practicing every day, but he's not going to get better by that. You need real game action, game speed reps, and you're not going to get that every day at the major league level. So I feel like he should be doing that at AAA. But, but I'm still going hard against Hedges on Twitter because I love it. And I know that not everyone I interact with on Twitter listens to the podcast. Yeah. So don't sell me out, assholes. If I'm going against Hedges, don't fucking sell me out, okay? Um, that's, well, I got compared that's to, just where I'm going. I was told I was a Stephen A. Smith, the Padres Twitter. That was great. <laughs> Which was I was great. like, I have arrived. Yeah, that was <laughs> um, great. To a point, I agree with you. I mean, to me, it's like, 
I don't think I think Mejia's receiving is overplayed because people are so enamored with hedges. They're gonna it's it's kinda like you with Chase Headley, right? Like when Chase Headley was here, you were silent pretty much every time he did something, which was most times consistent. As soon as he made an error, yeah. I would get a text message. I mean, <laughs> literally within seconds. I can almost guarantee I'm like, I would see him boot when he when he blew uh, Heath Bell's oh, consecutive yeah, score. Dude. When he threw the ball in the dirt and Heath Bell got his uh, consecutive. I uh, tore safety. my UCL reaching for my phone. <laughs> Because I reached so fast for it. Yeah, I knew it. I sprained my as fingers soon texting. soon as it happened, I'm like, here it comes. Yep, yep, there it is. There's Eric. <laughs> There's Eric. You know, yep. I just knew. It. It's it's like, you know, if Chase Headley, you know, you know, grounded in double play, Chase fucking Headley, there's your boy. So I, I feel like the Mejia stuff does get a little bit overblown. He did have a bad game. Yep. I, I I cannot argue that, like... The the wild pitch from Wingenter, I think, is one thing. Hedge just clanked a wild pitch yesterday that he probably should have caught. Yeah. So, like, I the wild pitch thing, I think that's a little much. Oh, he should have caught that. It's like, that's a tough pitch to catch. It's behind the left-handed batter, and Mejia's set up outside. Like, I have a hard time seeing Hedges, like, saying, oh, 100% he would have blocked it. I think it's 50-50. Um, but as far as, like, the clanked two-strike, yeah, that's inexcusable. Like, yeah. that's a, like you, you got to catch that. Like, catch the strikes, Jerry. Ideally, I mean, it would be called... Because it's a strike, and a strike is a strike is a strike. But we know it won't be, right. and we know it's only not called a strike because he. Which is my favorite it. go-to yeah. response. That's my favorite yeah. go-to uh, troll response when yeah. it comes to Mejia catching. Hey, we need robo umps. Yeah. <laughs> I always deflect it. Yeah. I deflect it the best I can. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, and it's true to a point, but still, you got to catch because even if you drop it, if a rudder's going, you know, and you drop it, that's a stolen base. That you know, now you don't have a chance to throw them out. So. Yeah. As far as winning, I, I really want to see Mejia play every day, and I don't. I think AAA would be okay for him. He's not going to learn to catch a major league staff and lead a major league staff in AAA. Yeah, He's, but he he can work on he can work on his footwork and he can work on receiving the ball. In AAA, I agree, and that's all I care about. I, I want to see him go down there and and prepare himself, be ready, like be ready for when the time comes and it's your turn and Hedges flames out because I think he will. So you bring back in June. Like, yeah. look, like here's what's going to happen. Like we we know we have an Austin Hedges. We're going to give him the opportunity because he's been here. We want you to work on some things, and we'll see, just like with Urias. So. Also, a big part of that comes from the fact that I think that the rest of the lineup is is so hot, and they're so good, that I'm willing to take a step back on the production from Hedges and what he brings, which is nothing, uh, with the bat, because everyone else Because they got six other guys who are hitting. It. They're going to pick him up. So, yeah. anyways. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Let's go to the next one. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Easton. Twitter handle at Easton37. Um, big fan of your guys' podcast, really like it. I listen to it weekly. Um, anyways, um, this question is for Mr. Miserable Padre fan, you know. Um, I sent him a nice DM the other week regarding Mr. Preller's services, meaning that where he likes to play basketball, and I happen to know the location of that, and he gave me no response. So, um, I want to get a, um, a response and a feel for what he has to say for my valuable information. Thanks. <laughs> what the hell is he talking about? So uh, he, apparently he DM me and I didn't respond, and he DM me uh, saying that he knows where Preller plays basketball, oh. pick up basketball, which is which is great. I mean, I don't know what I'm gonna do with that, but I mean, I'm not gonna ambush him. You know, <laughs> I'm not gonna post him up. Oh, hey, AJ, by the way, <laughs> we signing Keiko? Like, I'm not going to. I mean, as far as the DMs, if I don't follow someone and they DM me, like I have my DMs open. Um, and it, it goes into like a different folder requests. Hmm. I don't always see it when it comes in. So, um, Easton, thanks for listening to the podcast. I'm not like sitting here being like, "Hey, fuck this guy." I'm not going to respond. I just didn't see it. So maybe I have to go in there and uh, and and check it out. But um, there's uh, a few other ones that that I want to get to that um, are kind of 
you know how you shit post on Twitter? Like you have. Oh, are we back going down to the abyss nothing? again? Yeah. Oh, so okay. um, let's let's start with uh, this one here. Hey, um, just giving you a call. I got your number from a guy named Dan from Miami. Um, he said that you may be able to help me out with later this weekend. Um, I could set up a place to meet if you like. Um, I'll just say my name is Ralph uh, for now. Um, open to meet. Uh, uh, Dan said you were very aggressive and very nice. Um, hopefully you have very big hands. Okay, well, bye. <laughs> All I have to say to that, Mazone, or excuse me, Ralph. Ralph. That got the number from a guy named Dan from the U in Miami. <laughs> Beat me, mistress. Next question. Good, uh, good afternoon, fellas. This is uh, Sky. was wondering if you could give me a breakdown on the Miami Hurricanes upcoming season. Ha, 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 ha. <laughs> <laughs> that voice sounds familiar. I was going to say, I think I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I... I hear that voice uh, Monday or Monday through Friday, six to ten on the radio. Yeah. But um, yeah, hey, um, Sky, um, a breakdown for Miami Hurricanes. You know, I would love to give you a breakdown for Miami Hurricanes, but there's only one person to do that. It's your boy, Big Sills. I will say, I think the Hurricanes are going to start from the bottom and then power their way through. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a a really really good call here. So um, I have a string a string of a few of these here that. I think is is very interesting, and this will probably be the last ones that we'll play here today, but I think it's interesting, and I, I think it's something that needs to be played here. They're live updates from the game. So here we go. Oh, God. Hey, 5.5, this is Kevin AC calling from today's office, Oracle Park. Figured you're probably recording during the game and not really checking Twitter, so I just wanted to bring you the story I reported to you while you're using this episode. After taking batting practice today, Manny Machado leaned his bat on the cage, and right when he walked away, the Giants' make-a-wish kid tripped over it and went unconscious. The trainers have tried injecting marijuana to bring him back, but his current state is unknown. I'll tell you. I'll try to give you guys some more updates throughout the show. The good news is we we have an update. Well, I don't know if it's good news, but let's see. <laughs> hey guys, Kev Dog again. Hope I'm not interrupting anything big on the show. Just want to give you a little update on the pregame situation. Madison Bumgart. Bumgarner confronted Machado and called him Bush League for his bat placement, and then he went and punched Manny right in the face. Manny walked away and yelled something along the lines of, you don't love the troops, which had Matt Bum visibly shaken during the national anthem after being accused of something like this. All right. Tough scene. Holy shit, there is another update. What's up? It's Ace Man with a final update. Unfortunately, the Make-A-Wish kid didn't make it. He received one too many marijuanas and overdosed. My two-year-old trans dog, Penny Achado, has been crying all night because of this, and I am literally shaking. As for Machado and Bumgarner, Matt Bum approached Manny mid-game to apologize, and they made up and kissed right on the lips in a very erotic scene. I'll probably have to go see a doctor in four hours now. <laughs> Thoughts uh, and prayers that make-a-wish kid. No, no, Thoughts no. and prayers. The question is... Is H Man gonna open a premium Snapchat? Yeah, I don't know, dude. That's that's a great question. That's oh, a great God. dude. Just kind of side note, I love how people notice how much I love Barry McCockner, Sports Talk Joe on Twitter, so that we get this kind of shit. I I absolutely love it, dude. It's funny. So actually, I lied. There's one more because I really like this dude. We'll we'll play this one. 
Hey guys, Padres Haiku here. Keiko's still out there, but the price seems very steep. You think Ron takes plunge? I take my hands off here. Padres Haiku dropping a question in haiku form. <laughs> On, on our Padres Twitter segment. That's very much appreciated. Wow, do you think Ron Fowler takes the plunge on Dallas Keuchel? I certainly hope so. You hope so. I th- I hope so, too. I think if that move gets made, it's not because of Ron. I think it's because of Pete Seidler. Because Seidler came out and said, in, in regards to promoting Tatis for the opening series, he said, if we didn't do it and we missed the playoffs by a game or two, we would never forgive ourselves. Yeah. So I feel like if they keep rolling and Keiko's right there and the price kind of comes down just a little bit and the asking price comes down into reality, I think Seidler's going to be the one to make that happen. This guy's getting four-year offers he's turning – well, Boris is turning down. It's we like, don't know when that offer happened. No, we don't. But, I mean, at this point, it's like, what are you waiting – I refuse to believe there aren't teams that have offered him contracts this late in the, you know, this late yeah. in the game. Yeah. Like, it's April. Like, are you going to wait till after June to sign? Like – like it's just going to be disastrous. Is going to be is it going to be this year's Alex Cobb where it's like <laughs> here's a solid starting pitcher that signed way too late cuz he held out way too long? He could be, you know. We, you never know. We'll have to see. Uh, if he signs, he's not going to make the start on Wednesday, but <laughs> hopefully he'll he'll get here and uh I, I really want him bad, dude. I I didn't want him at all. At I don't all want him bad. Of the I want season, stability. But now I do. Yeah, I want I want stability. So maybe the White Sox will trade a serve in Santana. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, so that's it for the Padres Twitter segment. You know, we had a great question from Padres Geekster in regards to uh, the Trump ruling and the uh, Cuban players. And their path to the United States. I'll be honest. I've been at work all day. I didn't get a chance to look up on it, I saw and read the article, up on it. I just so I don't have a lot. It. I don't have a lot to say about it. But um, reading some of the stories and what these Cuban kids go through, just just for a better life, it's you know you want to see you want to see them. You know, how can I say it? How can It'd I say be nice to get to? them over here safely. Yeah, like you want to see something break the right way for these kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I feel like there was a pathway towards that to where we could just uh, pay the teams directly and they could just come over instead of having to defect from Cuba. And now that's taken away because of political bullshit. So anytime- Which was threatened at the time anyways. But like, uh, if you want to look at a prime example... Look at Yasiel Puig. Yeah. Like, his life was... He basically owed gang members money. Yeah. Like, and, like, a legitimate, like, you know, cartel gang. Not, like, you know, gangs in the barrio. Like, yeah. a legitimate cartel over there. He owed money. It's and good. Dude, it's good for life. the game. It's good for the game to get them here. So, it is. Any, pros, any act that makes that tougher, um, t- that impedes their path to get here, I'm, I'm vehemently against. Absolutely. So I'm not happy with Absolutely. that either way. But Let's make baseball great again. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's do that, please. So, you got anything else before we're out of here? Uh, no. Once again, thanks. Uh, other than just saying thanks for the Twitter segment is my new favorite bit yeah. that we got going. You guys came through again in the clutch. And we'll see if you can keep it up next week, but thanks for tuning in. Yep, we will see. He's on Twitter at 5.5Dan. I'm on Twitter at MiserableSDFan. Again, tune in Ben and Woods on San Diego Sports Leader, the Mighty 1090, this Friday, 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. I'll be there. Mazone will be there. Rich will be there. And Woods will be there. So check us out then. Danny will not be there, but he'll Danny see will you. be at work. We'll see you guys next week. We're out of here. <laughs> <laughs>